It's January 11th, and Jesuit's varsity soccer team is opening its season against Bishop Lynch in the 37th annual Meinster Invitational here at Jesuit. Most of the players are on the field, the Rangers in white and the Friars in black. But there are three Jesuit soccer players not on the field. They're actually not on the school team at all. They're sitting in a row, up in the stands, watching the game from afar with a group of fellow seniors. Suddenly, one of the players, Garrett Scott, is asked a question. Hey Garrett, why aren't you out there? He doesn't answer. And a few minutes later, the exact same question is asked of another player sitting there. You're listening to the Roundup Podcast. I'm Connor Thomas. This episode, the player's choice, school or academy. I sat down with Garrett to talk about this question. Do you get that a lot? I talk I get it all the time. Yeah. Like, at least, like, I know I got at least, like, three times today, just, like, in my free period. It's just, like, I mean, So, no, three yeah. times today, just people come up and yeah, it's like, ask if, you about it? If, like, if I'm sitting with, like, soccer guys, mm-hmm. like, I'll sit with Israel today, and then he was talking about the game from last night, and I don't remember who it was, but he was, like, or, I don't remember who it was, but he was, like, Garrett, why didn't you, uh, why didn't you play, like, last night? Or why aren't you playing? And it's, like... I've explained this like a million times. Like, <laughs> I, just, I just can't do it, dude. So, the goal of this podcast is to explain it. Garrett plays for a soccer development academy, the Dallas Texans, and he and all of his teammates sign contracts that prohibit them from playing soccer for their respective schools. The development academy is... That's David Hudgel, Garrett's coach. He also used to be the academy director when the Texans Academy was founded about 10 years ago. I interviewed him at Starbucks, so pardon the background noise. Hey program, for want of a better word, that is now run by U.S. Soccer, uh, the federation itself. Prior to the inception of the academy, the club programs that the teams participated were obviously sponsored by U.S. Soccer, but not run directly by U.S. Soccer. Um, For example, here you you would play for your club team and the organization that ran it was North Texas Soccer, but now all of the program, which is called the DA, Development Academy, is directly run by U.S. Soccer, and the clubs that participate in that program have to operate under the the guidelines and the rules of U.S. Soccer. One of those rules is that the DA players play for the DA and only the DA. How did you find out that you wouldn't be able to play in high school? Or put it that way. It was like, I guess when we signed our contract, so like I was looking forward to it that sophomore year, and I was like, okay, I, I can probably play. But then, like, when we, we got a new coach that year who's coming in, and also, like, we figured out that we were going to be going to academy, so that's, like, it's like a combination of those two. It's, like, when we signed our contract, it's like, oh, yeah, you're not going to be able to play high school. Like, it's, it's the club rule, it's the, it's the league rule, it's also, like, the coach's rule. So it's not, you can't really argue against that. He mentioned his hoping to play sophomore year. The academy rules can evolve, and in the past, due to some confusing technicalities, academy players have played high school soccer without consequences as was the case with senior Tyler Shea during his freshman year. It's kind of funny because like pre-academy, you're allowed to play like high school. And so that's, so Tyler was pre-academy that freshman year. And so he was allowed to play. And I, I was, and I was academy. Okay, it kind of wrote, it, it, at first it was kind of weird how they did it. It was like U13 year, it was pre-academy. Then he goes to U14 year, academy. Then U15 year, you're pre-academy again. And then 16, 17 year academy. And so Tyler and Nick, they were U15 while I was U14. So I was academy and they were pre-academy. And so they, they, Tyler played that freshman year. And then the year when I was going into U, 
15, they switched up the rules, and so then like, it became academy like officially, so I wasn't able to play. Would you have played? Yeah, I definitely would have played. Yeah. Tyler said it was a lot of fun. You know, it, was, it was kind of funny to watch him out there because mm-hmm. it was like freshman year. <laughs> now the teams were really that great, so he was like wrecking everyone. But U.S. soccer's rules did change, so Garrett couldn't take advantage of the same technicality. The first year of, of the DA, the players could play high school as well as playing in the DA. Okay. Uh, the second year, um, and I think everybody just really needs to understand this, I think there's sort of a feeling that it's the club or the coach telling the player that he can't play soccer. It's, it's mandated by U.S. soccer mm-hmm. that the player in the DA could not play high school soccer. The only exception to that is if the player is, excuse me, if the player's at a private school and some form of his tuition at a private school is paid by athletic endowment, then that's then considered difference if they're getting financial aid. Um, Other than that, uh, a player cannot participate at any level in in school program. But what if players do play anyway? I guess the rules might not be like Mm -hmm. set in stone, I guess. But what I've heard is that if you play a game of high school, it's like a three week or three game ban from um, like the academy league, I guess. And so it's also like thinking maybe I should just play against BL or just like yeah. take the take the three game ban. <laughs> but yeah, I mean there there was a kid last year on like the eighteen team, who, who played without like, I guess he just he just played high school didn't really tell the coach or anything, and so and eventually the league found out because I guess somehow they did. And so he, he got like he ended up getting like a twenty seven game ban or something, mm. and so um, and like when he, he signed to go to I think Campbell University, and like whenever you like sign your contract like official like commit and stuff, uh, you mm. usually kind of agree to like continue playing for the same club like at the same caliber like continue playing in the academy, and so when he like, received that twenty seven game ban whatever he basically got kicked off the team so his like contract got voided. So he didn't. So he had to decommit from yeah, the school. Then? Essentially, yeah. So he lost this like scholarship and everything to Campbell, and wow. so I honestly don't even know where he's playing now. I think he might be at like Richland Community College, Richland College. Wow. Yeah. Serious. Garrett himself has committed to going to Dartmouth next year. Do Do you think he would have been able to commit to Dartmouth if you didn't play for the academy team? No, there's no way. That's like I guess I think that's like the whole reason of the academy mm-hmm. is just so you get like the looks. By like the more like prestigious, just like I guess like better colleges, because I mean like you still get looks if you're playing like classic league, and like high school. Because I mean we had a lot of kids here on the team last year that are playing like Chase, is playing at Johns Hopkins, Mateo, St. John's, and so I mean you you still can get those looks, but I feel like it's easier and you have more exposure when you're at the academy, especially at those showcase tournaments like I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. especially in Florida. That's that's where I first got looked at by Dartmouth. That was, that was last year, like just last year year, and so um, yeah, I mean it's definitely just like the academy league definitely just offers more exposure. Mm-hmm. You're expected to provide an annual training program, so if your players are training and obviously playing games in a different program, in this case high school, then it it doesn't create the training environment on a daily basis that U.S. soccer believes is ultimately going to produce better players. I think the players want to join the Development Academy because it is now considered the elite level in US soccer. Mm -hmm. 
obviously the training environment provided by the clubs, I think one would feel that they would have the opportunity to develop as a player. A lot of the players obviously are looking to play in college and a lot of the college coaches are actively scouting the DA games. More um, exposure there? More exposure. Yeah. And additionally, there are more and more players now looking for professional opportunities, um, which ultimately is is seen as, uh, the DA is seen as a, an opportunity for that also. It seems like, for the academy, it's good to give players the opportunity to play at a higher level and get more looks from recruiters. But to keep players healthy, their training programs are fine-tuned and playing time carefully moderated. I think the difficulty with what we were doing before was when the players were playing high school, some are fortunate to go to Jesuit, for example, and have Charlie DeLong as their coach. Others are not so fortunate in, in high school soccer. Um, so that was a detriment. Also, with so many high school games in such a short period of time, the opportunity for, for injury seemed to be you know, a big thing. And also, when you're without the players for that length of time, it's almost like they come back to you and you're having to start again. So, overall, it's a benefit to us as coaches to, to have our players consistently. But I can't say that I would like to see something change where all of the governing bodies come together and work out a calendar year where there's still some time in there where a player, if he so desires, wants to represent their high school too. But on the other hand, is it bad to keep players from playing with their friends? I wouldn't make a case against that argument mm -hmm. because that is something that is, I think, a difficult thing for a young person not to be able to play with their peers, not to be able to represent their school and not to feel that part of the school, if you like. I, I think it, you know, just, I don't think it happens so much now, but certainly in the, the early days of it, it was almost like a, a player that made that decision was alienating himself from the school. And, and obviously there was a lot of objection from the, the school coaches individually to the player well why would you do that and why would you not represent your school i, I think it's a a difficult choice to make um, i think that those players that ultimately want to give themselves as much opportunity as as possible are faced with a decision of, of having to make that sacrifice i think that, that for me personally i i sympathize um, certainly, if it was my kid or I was the player, I'd want to play for my school. Um, the, I think the biggest problem is the day-to-day -day environment and the length of the high school season. So the high school season you know, may start late December, early January, run through to early April when uh, playoffs are taking place. So you basically talking at four months during the course of an 11th month year for soccer where it's almost impossible to do both and then if you're the DA program or even a regular club program for that matter you can't 
not see the players for that length of time. You obviously have to have games yourself during that period. So trying to do it all and trying to do both ultimately is then too much. It's overload. You're going to get burnout. Burnout and, and time commitment, I guess. You couldn't make Yeah, very much so. I mean, the time commitment of our players uh, with day-to-day -day travel, uh, it, it's difficult. I think that's the biggest thing for, for a player uh, is time management. Particularly, for example, somebody that goes to Jesuit, uh, high academic load. And, and trying to manage it all can, can be difficult. Andrew Gilcrest is a senior who plays for both Jesuit's varsity team and his club team, FC Dallas. I also interviewed him at Starbucks. They were, they were in conflict last year, like years prior, but it, the season kind of ends, like it's only halfway for a season for the senior year for select, so I don't have to like do that right now, because like sometimes today is what, Monday? So usually, like last year or two years ago, I would have practice in like 25 minutes. It's like 6 o'clock right now or something. So, yeah, they'd be in conflict. Sometimes I'd have to choose between like if I want to go to a, a practice or like sometimes even like a game. But, yeah. yeah. Back to Garrett. What, what's like the team's attitude about the high school stuff? Yeah. All that? School, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's like... I think we all want to play high school, because that's just like fun. You can just play with your friends. I, but I think coming from Jesuit, it's like the brotherhood stuff. It's like, yeah, it's like band together, try to win state again. That, that's, that's really cool. But it was also kind of disappointing for me, that same thing, like how I'm not able to sign with my like, fellow brothers here. Like I'm really good friends with the lacrosse guys, like the basketball guys. So it's just kind of like sad that I won't be able to sign with them like that day. So, I, mean, I, don't know. I think we all, like everyone on the team has like similar feelings to that. That's another thing, signing day. While Andrew Gilchrist officially signed to play at Rhodes College a few weeks ago in Hughes Hall, Garrett could not because he has never played for the school. It's worth noting that Tyler Shea can sign a Jesuit because he was able to play here for a year. There are three clubs in Dallas that have academy-level teams, the Dallas Texans, FC Dallas, and Solar. There are a few Jesuit seniors referenced earlier that play for the DA, but there must be more throughout the school. Needless to say, it's a complicated situation. A complicated answer to have to give to people three times a day. And what are your feelings when they ask you that question? How, how does it's just like, oh. Because, like, I, I, I have answered that question maybe, especially this year, because, like, after, I guess, like, I officially committed, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, why aren't you playing now? And, I mean, the biggest question is, like, or the bit, like, my answer to that is that I don't want to, like, kind of blow off my team. Because mm -hmm. I've been playing with some of those kids since I was, like, six or seven. Like, me and Tyler, we've been playing together for maybe person for nine years old, like we've been playing together for a while. And so I don't really, I guess like kind of quitting the team, just. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not like they're random guys. Yeah, they're still yeah, close I've, friends, I've, right? I, yeah, I've bond, I've, I've bonded with these guys a lot. Mm -hmm. Like we've been through a lot. And so yeah, I, just, I don't really just want to quit the team and just like stab them in the back. But, yeah, that's, that's my answer for that. And hopefully people hear that. Special thanks to everyone you heard just now. Garrett Scott, David Hudgel, and Andrew Gilcrest. While reporting on the story, I did reach out to Jesuit Soccer for comment and was referred to higher-ups in the administration who have not yet responded to an email. This is the first major episode of the second season of the podcast. We have much more content and more variety coming your way in coming weeks, so please subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. And as always, check us out on www.jesuitroundup.org. If you would like to contact me with feedback or questions, my email is 18327 at jcpstudents.org.